0: So today uh, we are going to be talking about nine psychological hacks that top lawyers use with their clients. And I have worked really hard over the years to incorporate these in my practice. And I can tell you that they work really well. So now in every law practice, it is about clients and clients are humans just like us and every one of us operates off a standard human operating system so these are shortcuts and hacks on how to optimize um, operating within that operating system well hello and welcome to the Jay Sterling Hughes show where we share the secrets of how we are building a rapidly growing law practice you know over the past 9 years we have scaled from 0 to 25 attorneys and doing over $15 million in revenue. And I have nothing to sell you. My purpose here is to document what's working and what's not working in our practice with hopes that you can take that and you can recontextualize that in your practice and shorten your success curve. And so today uh, we are going to be talking about nine psychological hacks that top lawyers use with their clients. And I have worked really hard over the years to incorporate these in my practice. And I can tell you, that they work really well. So now in every law practice, it is about clients and clients are humans just like us. And every one of us operates off a standard human operating system. So these are shortcuts and hacks on how to optimize um, operating within that operating system. Now, every lawyer's practice, the success or failure of that, or just the kind of the subparness of that practice depends on a lawyer's ability to connect with people and to interact with them, whether they be clients, co-workers, referral sources, uh, people in the community, and so forth. All of that matters. And what I'm sharing with you today are ways to improve those interactions. Now, now, just like everything, you can use and you can abuse these things. And if you've got a, a personality that's bent toward con artistry and uh, just not living uh, good values what I'm sharing with today is only going to magnify that and make that worse but if you love people I mean truly care about people down in that left ventricle of your precious little heart you want to add value to others if that's you what I'm sharing with you today is going to um, significantly improve that or give you that opportunity to deepen those connections and build trust quicker with folks that you come in contact with all right The first psychological hack or shortcut that top lawyers use with their clients is this. When you have a client approach you and you see them, get excited, I mean genuinely smile, a real, not plasticky, but a real smile, expressing to them, hey, I'm excited to see you. I'm happy to see you. When you do that, when you send that energy through the air, that's contagious to the client. And what it says to them is that you care about them. They're important to you. You like them. And sharing your energy and enthusiasm through a big, warm smile and an excited body language can take that relationship to whole new levels. You know, when I was a young man, I was, I don't know, maybe 15 or 16. I remember vividly looking in the mirror and I was alone. And (laughs) I thought, man, Jeff, you're not a great looking guy. Okay, so... I was candid. I was self-aware enough at that age to realize that. And then I smiled and I realized that that was a super powerful tool for me and that I was way more attractive and way more um, inviting when I looked at someone in the eye and I gave them a real, authentic, big smile, trying to express to them, hey, I care about you. I want to hear what you have to say. I'm happy to be here with you. And that's a tool that I've used my entire life, sometimes better than others but it's been a a significant advantage for me that I've implemented in my life and my practice. All right. The second psychological hack or shortcut is when you interact and meet a client, say their name out loud three times in the first five minutes. Three times in the first five minutes. What this says to them is that I care enough about you to remember your name. Or if it's a prospective client that you don't know, saying it three times out loud to them in the first five minutes also helps you remember their name. So you don't have to have that embarrassing moment of like, you know, I know you told me your name, but I didn't listen and I just plain forgot I was distracted. You don't have to do that if you're able to say their name out loud three to five times and you know that going in. So I use this all the time. One of the first questions I ask, in fact, when I go out to eat and meet a a server for the first time that I haven't, for somewhere that I haven't been, the first question I ask is, hey, what's your name? And then as often as I can work it in without being weird or creepy or just obnoxious and obvious, um, that means something. And I can't tell you how many times I've had a server come back to me at some point later in the meal, usually after a gap of time, when I say, you know, hey, Michelle, um, would you be able to bring me another cup of water or whatever I'm asking? I, I can't tell you how many times. That I've had them say, hey, you remembered my name and this kind of delight because so often they can kind of just fly under the radar. They're there to take care of you. You're not going to take the time. You're going to be engrossed in your conversation. You're not going to take the time to recall their name and share that back with them. All right. Number three, dress for the emotion that you want to evoke or convey. And what I'm talking about is not necessarily the style and cut of your clothing, but the color. Colors have a language all of themselves So blue is a color that elicits depth, stability Something around trust that someone just naturally associates with that color Yellow, for example, um, demonstrates or projects warmth Even sometimes it can project submissiveness But usually warmth and friendship Black is something that's pretty sophisticated And that can project strength, confidence, authority is another thing red especially the brighter the color red evokes passion energy excitement kind of that raw kind of emotion sort of stuff that's how red comes across so dressing and being mindful of those colors really enables you to just take get that little bit of extra edge of what you're trying to accomplish with a client or whatever setting that you're in at that time. Now, another hack around this, maybe not so much related to emotion, but whenever I'm speaking, my body, for whatever reason, I kind of get to this little cold sweat going sometimes where I just sweat for no no obvious reason. I'm not hot. I'm just nervous or something's going on where it's triggering some sort of a chemical reaction in my body. So I don't want to have sweaty armpits. So I wear black or something really dark that kind of hides that um, because I don't want to come across as... You know, nervous and scared and all that sort of stuff because it certainly affects your, uh, the authority that you're trying to convey. Just a little side hack there. All right, hack number four expose your flaws. Whenever we meet someone who is perfect, that can be intimidating, who seems to have everything together. So what they say or how they share sometimes doesn't come across as authoritative to you or persuasive because you just view them or we view them as being just perfect. Oh, there's me and then there's them, the perfect person. So I have learned, and this especially has come up in my really close relationships, like with my wife, for example, whenever I have the self-awareness, at the same time I have the confidence or courage to expose my flaws and be open about my vulnerabilities, that just deepens that trust so much quicker. And it takes away that sometimes that feeling of perfection and it allows someone to be relatable to you. Oh, okay. I I get that because I'm just like that. We're all imperfect beings, right? And owning that, recognize that in an authentic way. This is an area that can be certainly fake. And whenever you can be self-deprecating in a way that is clearly obvious that you're not being sincere or you're talking about, areas of your personality that aren't really weaknesses or flaws but you're making fun of a strength because you feel confident in that particular area that comes across as fake we all have known people like that we just didn't trust you know their self quote deprecating humor and that sort of thing it was coming from a place of deep deep insecurity not security around hey I really struggle with listening or Hey, I really struggle with empathy in that particular area. And that really bothers me. Or I feel like a poser and I'm not smart in this certain area, those kind of things people identify with that. And they, it just deepens and strengthens that connection. All right. Hack number five and that is use pauses and silent moments in conversations strategically. When there is a pause, and you wait, and you ponder, and you look at that person that you're communicating with directly, what a lot of times that sends the message of, A, I'm confident enough that I don't have to be nervous and fill this moment, this pause in our conversation with more words that are often kind of trivial or not too important or kind of even meaningless in their worst, right? But when you're able to pause, you can convey, hey, what you just said to me was interesting or important to me. And I want to ponder that for a second. And I'm confident enough that I don't have to fill it with something just because I'm nervous and I want to fill in the noise and fill in the gaps with something. That can go a long ways to inspiring that individual, showing that you're confident, you're trustworthy, you're in control. You know what you are doing. When you do that, when you have those pauses, being mindful and staying present is important because they can sense others can sense when you wander away and you're no longer in the conversation so that's kind of the downside of this so staying centered and focused uh, really goes a long way to strengthen that bond that you're trying to create with the other person all right number six play mind games with yourself with your mind (laughs) certainly not the other uh, person that you're communicating with So confidence is absolutely contagious and I have in almost every time in the recent past where I knew that I had to speak I would just imagine myself smiling. I would imagine myself leaning in. I would imagine people in the congregation or in the audience or whatever, looking up and listening, thinking of everyone in the room listening, which I know is never the case, right? Someone's, many someones are a lot of times on their telephone and doing whatever, distracted, focused on something else. But I would imagine in my head, speaking with confidence, speaking with my hands out of my pockets, speaking in a sort of leaning in way, making eye contact because that kind of confidence is totally contagious. The audience, the person and the people that you're talking with certainly pick up on that. They feed that back and they're kind of mirroring your body language with their own. And that can really give you energy to just be able to speak in such an authoritative, captivating, persuasive way. A mental trick that I do is sometimes, in fact, in my wallet, I carry around a check that I've written to myself, right? And I know a guy who carries around a huge, a very significant sum of money. When he's got an important meeting, he'll take that money out of his vault or whatever and put it in his pocket and he carries that around because it gives him a, a sense of success, accomplishment, and that becomes contagious And it comes out in in his body language and how he interacts and just the tone of his voice and communicates in all areas that kind of confidence that is picked up and received by the other person and that becomes very persuasive. All right, hack number seven. Ask for small favors to win clients over. This has been called the Benjamin Franklin effect and he discovered obviously several hundred years ago that when you ask for a favor from someone, And certainly, if they're do it, you can't do something for someone without a sense of somewhere in there, maybe not all the way, but at least somewhere it starts the process of, you know, if I'm going to do this for you, I must like you, (laughs) I must trust you, I must, um, I'm serving in a way. And so there becomes this sense of, taking care of someone and taking ownership of that relationship. There's also what it also triggers is this idea of reciprocity, right? Someone gives something to me, I owe something back from them. And so they sometimes, the other person can develop this sense of expectation back from you that you're going to invest in them in some particular way. And if you're trying to win them as a client, that can be a, certainly a way that a technique that goes a long ways toward doing that. But you got to use this wisely. You certainly can overdo it. You can use it in a in a really negative way that can hurt you along the way. So, having that emotional intelligence to know when and how to use that is important. But using it nonetheless can really advance that relationship. All right, hack number eight, and that is serve food during key meetings. We all know we've all been to these meetings where um, we're hungry. And we're thinking about that. Okay, that's one reason. Another reason is that whenever you sit down with someone, and it doesn't have to be this big course meal, but it could be small finger foods or whatever. When you sit down with someone and you share and you break bread together, that builds a sense of community. And connection and, and breaks the ice in many circumstances especially if you're in a heated negotiation um, you're in some tough conversation that only works to lessen that break the ice so that is there um, between you and the other party another thing you can do when you do that is just have some closeness with them that physical proximity while you're sharing and eating together also opens people up to be more accommodating and collaborative with whatever you're pursuing along with them all right Hack number nine and the final one here, warm your hand or in my case, even dry your hand prior to a handshake. And here's what I mean by that. So there's been studies out there that physical warmth, it also communicates and is connected, highly correlated to um, emotional warmth and more emotional connection with other person. So if you know your hand's cold, and you just came in, like I live here in Wisconsin in the U.S., And whenever I'm out and it's freezing, I go to shake someone's hand. If my hand is freezing, that's conveying something to the other party that I don't want. I want to warm up that hand and be able to shake hands with them and have a warm hand that conveys warmth and caring to them, especially when their hands are cold. Another thing, and this is kind of an embarrassing thing, so maybe um, that maybe I'm going after <laughs> what I just shared about exposing flaws, but I have always had kind of this propensity for my hands to get sweaty for no good reason at all, not because I'm hot, because I just have a sweaty hand sometimes, and it comes and goes. I, don't, I can't find the pattern in it, and it's at times been super, super embarrassing to me um, that I've had a you know, shake hands with someone and it's like I just washed my hands or got out of the pool or something. So, you know, being mindful of that, what I try to do is just dry it off, keep my hand in my pocket right before, um, you know, without being, trying to convey something else I don't want to convey, but keeping my hand in my pocket so I can try to have that as comforting and as socially acceptable as possible. So those are the nine psychological hacks that top lawyers use with their clients. And they're not just techniques. They give us the ability to deepen our practice and grow our relationships and build trust even quicker, which ultimately lead to a much more successful practice, certainly more rewarding relationships because relationships define us in life. So use them wisely, and I hope that your practice grows as a result. Thanks for being part of today's episode, and I hope you have a wonderful week.